I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to Insight. This week, nurses. Will the recent settlement resolve worries over safe staffing levels and tensions over pay? Alright, I'm just going to check your um, blood pressure and see how you're going today. New Zealand has 55,000 practising nurses, the largest occupational group in the health sector. But understaffing, exhaustion and mistrust have proved a volatile mix leading 30,000 nurses to strike in July in the first such industrial action in 30 years. They won major gains, but many of them are still in the pipeline. So will those deals change daily working life for our nurses? RNZ's health correspondent, Karen Brown, headed to one of the nation's busiest hospitals to find out more. I've arrived at Auckland City Hospital actually shortly before dawn, and it's a really nice day, but it's already a busy place. Nurses and midwives settled their mecca recently. They got a deal with the government after a long fight, a year-long fight. I've come to see what it's actually like on the wards to be a nurse today. Um, how was the night shift? Still confused, a few confused. There is room 4 and 11. But so far, so good. Yeah, great. You made it. (laughs) You made it. Doing your best to keep everybody safe. And I'm sure you're looking forward to going to bed this morning. Kate Bridgman is the charge nurse on Ward 77, one of the hospital's three busy orthopaedic wards. At 7am, her shift has just begun, and this handover involves 12 nurses, six of them headed home after the night shift, and six coming on to replace them. This happens at the beginning of every shift. So we have bedside handover at um, 7 o'clock in the morning, where the night shift handover to the daytime nurses. Then we have handover again at 2.30. The morning shift hands over to the PM shift, um, and then again at um, 10.45, where the PM shift hands over to the night shift. And is it one of the most important points of the day? Oh, I definitely think so. It's the time where our nurses that are receiving the care of the patients get to ask the questions um, that they need to know about the that patient's care um, and it's also because it's at the bedside it gives the patients an opportunity to learn about their plan of care for the day. The venue for the seven o'clock huddle is a staff only hub in the centre of the ward where the daily agenda is spelt out on a whiteboard covering everything that's important including how to do the basics better. We had some confusion with the nil by mouth status um, but we've now all learned that we can use the NBM as nothing but medications um, and that helps us to remember to give those important medications. Today's Friday, a day that's always busy on the ward, which is full right now with 26 patients. We have patients with us at the moment um, with a number of orthopaedic conditions and injuries. Um, So we do have some patients um, that are actually scheduled for um, spinal surgeries today. Um, Friday is a big spine um, procedure day, um, so that patient will be going to surgery pretty soon. Complex spinal surgery can also make for a busy night for the nurses later on. Um, And so it's often those patients are coming back to us in the evening um, and are requiring a lot of care on the night um, and that we all just have to band together um, to provide all the cares that that patient might need. The pace is already picking up and nurse Jojo Azarin checks on a patient who's been readmitted. 
Hi, Chow. How are you today? Good, thank you. Okay, my name is Chow. I'll be your nurse. It's so crazy. We've got both names. But yeah, how was your night? Yeah, no, it was good. I, I slept pretty well. It took me a while to get back to sleep after I was rolled, but eventually got there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I heard something happened about your trip yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I accidentally, I was multitasking, so I was training up a caregiver yeah. and talking to Julie and trying to undo my dressing at the same time, and not a good idea because then I pulled it up. Yeah. <laughs> but we've got it sorted, eh? Yeah. Like okay, the, that's the, good. Yeah. yeah. The and doctor it, came up real quick and, mm-hmm. and managed to sort it, so mm-hmm. that was good. Yeah. Do you mind if I check your blood pressure? The pace of life in nursing generally has been just as busy over the past several months, with the normally low-profile workforce voting to strike for 24 hours in July. DHBs and others held their breath after the strike for threatened further action and were openly relieved when nurses announced they'd voted by a significant majority to end the year-long row and accept a revised pay offer, the fifth. It delivered three pay rises of 3%, two immediately and one yet to come, and two new pay steps at the top of the nurses' and midwives' scale, all up, the rises range from 125 to 16% over the two-year term of the deal. It wasn't up to the famous 2004 pay jolt, which delivered 21% more over three years, but the nurses' organisation lead in those negotiations over a decade ago, Glenda Alexander, says it's still a very good deal. It's certainly the best pay improvement that we've had for, you know, probably since around 2010 the last decade or more, and there's more work to, to be done. I think we've got a real opportunity to look at, um, through the pay equity process, looking at what the real worth of the work is, because that's kind of where we were in 2004. That's what our strategy, what our research showed us, that we weren't actually looking at the worth of the work that nurses do, irrespective of the practice setting. The New Deal earmarked $38 million for the employment of an extra 500 nurses immediately, a process that's already underway. And, days before nurses began voting on the offer, in what looked like a final attempt to ensure nurses backed it, the government, DHBs and the union signed an accord. It goes further, promising a process and careful monitoring of nurse staffing levels in future and a New Zealand-designed system known as Care Capacity Demand Management, or CCDM. Once implemented, it's expected to revolutionise nurse staffing on wards, ensuring that exactly the right number of nurses is available instantly for any circumstance that arises. It's hoped the system will help end bitter complaints about fatigue, burnout, stress and a lack of safety for nurses and patients. The Nurses' Organisation's Associate Professional Services Manager, Hilary Graham-Smith, says worries over staffing are real, and she's heard horror stories. You can see their distress. Often it's visible. They cry. Um, They feel very afraid. I had a a male nurse say to me in a DHB recently that he has an anxiety attack before he goes on every single shift, and that's about the staffing and being scared that something will go wrong on their watch and the consequences of that for them. So all of those sorts of emotions, but also the deep distress they feel at not being able to deliver the care that they really want to deliver. She says nurses frequently work double shifts 
Eight-hour shifts back-to-back back just to provide the necessary cover on a ward. So they'll come to work and do a morning shift and then because of the environment and the lack of staff they'll stay on, not necessarily for a whole other shift but for significant portions of that. But sometimes they do, they work two shifts back to back just to provide the cover. It's absolutely exhausting, it's demoralising. You know, that's when we see people leaving is because they just can't tolerate the environment, it burns them out. Hilary Graham-Smith says nurse shortages create difficulties every day. For instance, a new graduate nurse being given a set of instructions and carrying those out uh, to the best of her ability but then um, causing some harm to a patient because she didn't fully understand the instruction and there was no one around to help her, guide, help her or guide her. You know, I, I don't have a diary of dreadful things that go on but what I do have is what comes through our membership support centre in terms of members needing legal support uh, where there's been a significant error made and a patient has been harmed. Uh, so those are the sorts of things that we see um, at our end and, and um, have to support our members with, often through coronial inquiries or Health and Disability Commission complaints. The actual level of nurse shortages nationwide is hard to come by, but the Nursing Council estimated in a 2013 report that New Zealand could be 15,000 nurses short by 2035. An overwhelming 91% of practising nurses are women, 44% of whom are 50 or over. Internationally qualified nurses, or IQNs, comprise 27% of all nurses, and that figure is rising. Nurses are also overwhelmingly Pākehā, with Māori at just 7% and Pacifica 4%. That's not good, but what's really worrying the Health Workforce New Zealand Chair, Des Gorman, is the looming major nurse shortage in this country. Professor Gorman estimates New Zealand is short by about 5,000 nurses. He also says about 4,200 nurses join and about 3,000 leave a year. That's an exit rate of about 5% which poses a challenge in terms of replacement. If we could hold current exit rates steady, which is about 5% of nurses leave each year, if we could keep it there, then we'd need to have 500 nurses above what we normally have come into the workforce, come into the workforce every year for the next 10 years. The health workforce group within the Ministry of Health is responsible for national coordination on workforce issues. Des Gorman says he's worried that the exit rate from nursing may actually double. We expect the exit rate to at least get to 10%. Now that puts huge pressure on recruitment. That means we need to increase the recruitment of new nurses from over 4,000 a year to something like 7,000 a year. Now that recruitment would require international recruitment in the face of global shortages and we're competing in a marketplace on the basis of price. And I don't think we're particularly competitive. So the real issue for the next few years is how do we retain nurses in the workforce? How do we stop that predictable increase from 5% leaving to 10% leaving? How do we keep it at 5%? That could be an uphill battle given the solid reputation New Zealand nurses have long enjoyed internationally. They're mobile and tend to work more in tough times and less in better times. Our studies show that one nurse in four intends to leave work. One nurse in three intends to reduce their hours as soon as their financial situation improves. And that of the nurses who re-entered the workforce or increased their hours during the global financial crisis, two-thirds intend to reduce their workload or leave work altogether.
Professor Gorman describes these numbers as genuinely scary. Those who are going to remain in nursing are highly vulnerable to recruitment to Australia. The Australian nursing shortfall is predicted to be greater than 100,000 nurses. And I know from the work that I do with the Australians, their strategies are to try and attract nurses from each other's state workforces. And then their two recruitment targets are New Zealand and the Philippines. In the meantime, it's morning tea time on Ward 77, where nurse Jojo Azarin is busy but upbeat. Always busy. <laughs> Not much downtime during the day? We try to make some time to at least get into our breaks and, you know, get some refreshment. And um, I think having just a little bit of time out from, you know, all the pressures of getting all the jobs done would really make a difference as well when how you finish your day. Many of the patients needing things like hip replacements are older and dementia, which is common, is another daily reality that nurses have to manage around. At the moment I've got five patients under my care and um, four of them is on we call AOU rooms. It's Acute Observations Unit. Um, so we usually put patients there who are confused. Jojo Azarin says physical and verbal aggression are part of the job, but they can handle it. Oftentimes when patients get aggressive, we can um, call a code. So we usually have like a code orange where um, patients get um, aggressive and they can be a threat to other patients, um, to the staff and even the visitors. I'm Karen Brown and you're listening to an RNZ Insight programme exploring whether the latest nursing deals will solve the fears over safe staffing. The employment of graduate nurses is another major pressure point. 1,900 nurses graduate from nursing schools every year, about 1,350 of whom seek jobs through a scheme known as Advanced Choice of Employment, or ACE. The Health Ministry says there's a lag time, but 88% get jobs within seven months. Latest figures reveal there were 580 graduates still sitting in the talent pool seeking work last November, but that by late June this year it had fallen to 176. The Health Ministry's Acting Chief Nursing Officer Jill Clendon isn't worried about the 176 left unemployed or the time it takes for a number to get a job. I think it would be fantastic that all nurses walked out of their programme and into um, employment straight away. That would be great. I think the realities of that are a little bit more challenging. There's not always positions immediately available um, and, and we need to work with the DHBs to figure out how we can make that happen more effectively for nurses. But that is some of the work that we're doing as part of the Accord. She says the employment and training of new graduates, staffing and a strategy for the recruitment and retention of the nursing and midwifery workforce are all now being tackled. Under the Accord, the um, implementation or the exploring of options around new graduate employment is first cab off the rank and we will be having advice to the Minister by the end of uh, November this year. The advice around the accountability mechanisms is by the end of February 2019 and then the development of a strategy for retention of the existing nursing and midwifery workforce or exploring that, that will be by the end of May 2019. Whatever the result, Health Workforce New Zealand's Des Gorman wants some jobs ring-fenced for first-year nurses. The number of jobs should reflect the number of nurses we want to see graduate from nursing schools and coming into the workforce. And those protected jobs should be properly supported. Now, we have a nursing entry-to-practice programme which Health Workforce New Zealand funds, but it needs to be more than that. 
It needs to be suitable first-year jobs that are ring-fenced and preserved for first-year nurses. It's self-evident that if a nurse can't get a job, that the likelihood he or she will be lost to the profession is very, very high. Back on Ward 77, it's late morning, and the huddle has expanded to include doctors, nurses, physios and others discussing each patient as their name comes up on a large screen. Charge nurse Kate Bridgman is once again leading the discussion. So is everyone happy for this patient to discharge today? Any concerns from MDT? Um, She's going to need an increased level of care. Um, When she goes home, she's non-white-bearing, and... Um, she's had those wires removed. So. She's also monitoring a separate screen labelled Trend Care, which shows the number of nurses and their skill mix alongside patient numbers and their level of need. Trend Care is the software system underpinning the much discussed Care Capacity Demand Management or CCDM programme, which the government and DHBs are now pledged to roll out. Its key value will be to identify online in real time all nurse shortages and where they are. The ward overall is looking quite good. Um, We do have some patients that are needing um, a lot of support that we're trying to keep as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. So our HCAs at the moment are doing kind of patient attenders with those patients, Mm -hmm. um, which is really, really good. So... It's an amazing sort of um, warehousey. What is... So this, the story here is, I think, trying to define the journey for how do we know how we're going on a day-to-day basis, 24-7 as an organisation. Deep within the labyrinth that is Auckland City Hospital, a team including Improvement Project Manager Andrew Jones is looking hard at how the hospital can and will face key future challenges. Team visited Air New Zealand and Auckland Transport to see how their operations room functions and to see what information they use to make decisions and what roles and responsibilities people in the room have to be able to make that call. The hospital serves half a million Aucklanders and the region while also providing the most specialised care available in New Zealand to the whole country. Within all this, the Nurse Director of Patient Management Services, Jane Lees, says trend care and the demand management system are considered vital to efficient and safe care. CCDM is fundamentally safe staffing, ensuring that we've got the right nurse at the right time in the right place with the right skill to look after the patients. The former British nurse says CCDM originated in New Zealand and has been being rolled out in Auckland since 2014. It's introduced to six or seven wards every three months. If we want to get our patient care to the level that we want it to be consistently and to the quality that we believe that we should be delivering, then we need the right people to do that. And our nursing workforce needs to be able to react. So this is extremely important because up until now, it's been very much a guessing game as to whether or not we've got the right nurse in the right place at the right time. 17 of the 20 DHBs have trend care, which can help with staff placements but requires data to be entered accurately, another potential hurdle for busy nurses. Jane Lees says the rewards are huge, however, including a more rapid response to patient need and complexity, fewer nurses suffering under heavy workloads and greater hospital efficiency. 
We know that we're not lean at the moment. We know that there's a lot of waste in our system and we can be far more efficient. We know that. And I think now's the time. CCDM and Trencare will help us be far more efficient and effective with our nursing workforce and therefore our patient care delivery. The system would project patient need and nursing numbers and skills electronically on screens that can be viewed throughout the hospital so nurses who are less busy can respond promptly. Hilary Graham-Smith of the union says it's a far cry from what happens now. Often nurses say, we're really short-staffed, we're in red, um, we've rung and asked for more staff, but there's nobody. But getting our own homegrown system installed in hospitals has taken years, and nurses roundly criticised DHBs over it during the recent pay and staffing row. They claimed there was a lack of interest in the new system among cash-strapped DHBs because they knew they lacked the funding to employ more nurses if that was what the technology indicated was needed. Glenda Alexander, also of the Nurses' Organisation, says inaction over safe staffing upset nurses badly. It just has taken so long for us to get any real concrete improvement around the safe staffing for nurses that I think that feels like they're undervalued when they can't do a good job at work, uh, when they feel like there's no relief coming in terms of numbers, that then people turn to feeling, well, then it's about the pay, and then if the pay isn't keeping pace, then that's, that's what leads people to feel frustrated and angry with what they're having to deal with on a daily basis. She is confident things will now improve. We have to be confident and we have to be um, hopeful that this will give us the opportunity to really see some of the groundwork that's been going on for years to actually come to fruition. Uh, we've got good tools, we've got um, you know, a positive environment. I think we've got um, the accord that's saying the Minister's assuring us that this is going to get attention and support, that we need to actually get it across the line. So in terms of the best opportunity for 10 years or more um, that we've ever had, I think you know we've got to take it and we've really got to get in and, and do it because if we don't, you know we'll miss that opportunity. For their part, DHBs say funding has been an issue and where significant increases in staffing have been required, making changes has posed a problem. But they say they've got a lot of faith in the system and are committed to implementing it. The Health Minister, David Clark is backing those assurances. It's a robust process. The CCDM model is accepted by the parties concerned as a useful way of understanding what safe staffing looks like on each ward, hour by hour, as the acuity of the patients changes and as the staffing levels on the ward uh, in different respects changes. So it is something that everyone's signed up to, and I think it will be a good guide. And what's needed is robust oversight of the process of implementing CCDM. But he concedes it will take yet more time to fully implement. Well, the commitment is to implement CCDM in a few years' time. It's not to have it completely implemented this year, but the uh, purpose of appointing an oversight group through that accord is to ensure that we're on the track to get there. Dr Clark is also promising changes to boost nurse recruitment, including the possibility of guaranteed entry to practice for all first-year graduates, similar to what medical students already enjoy. Currently that's not the case in New Zealand. Nurses go through academic training and then they come out and they you know, essentially have to look around and shop their CVs around until they get a place. Um, for doctors we do that automatically and one of the things the Accord lays out is to look at whether that's what we should be doing for nurses too and uh, I'll be very interested to see where they get to with that.
He adds he's confident the extra 500 nurses that the government and DHBs are pledged to provide under the new pay deal at the cost of $38 million will also be delivered. The plan is to allocate the staff to DHBs on a per capita basis, but the union's Hillary Graham-Smith says it won't be nearly enough. It's not enough. 500 isn't going to be enough, but at least it's a start. And so what we're doing currently is working with the DHBs to identify where those pinch points are, where those staff are really needed, what are the areas where that would benefit immediately from an injection of extra staff. Mental health is a standout, everyone's saying. It should all go to mental health, but there are other areas that are that are really under pressure as well. But I, th- I think in, in many DHBs, mental health um, should be kind of the first cab off the rank. Will the pay rises and promises of better staffing be a solution to all the nurses' grievances? Could the change even be enough to attract New Zealand nurses home from overseas? A Brisbane-based nurse who trained in Palmerston North years ago, Linda Myers, doesn't think so. She thinks nurses will watch and wait instead. I think there's still a level of frustration amongst some people who will say, well, I'll make my decision and I will leave now. But the reality is the pay here in Australia is definitely much better um, and we definitely have uh, ratios. So therefore, the working situation is often better as well. A Massey University nursing professor, Jenny Carrier, also senses some nurses are still angry. I suspect this considerable division over the degree to which the DHBs are trusted. And I think there are prob- there's probably a cohort who are prepared to go back and work and hope that things will be different, and there's clearly a cohort who are still angry. She says nurses are the glue that hold hospitals together, but they're clearly undervalued. It's ironic that they are less visible, given that there are 58,000 nurses in New Zealand and that they are the glue that holds hospitals together in every way. But yes, on another level, they are invisible. She's also worried, as are others, that the 500 extra nurses needed on wards immediately will deplete other important areas like aged care. We're going to see movement of nurses out of critical areas into hospitals, which will solve the hospital problems but create other problems in other sectors. And you could argue that if we put pressure on aged care and primary health care, that will increase the rate of people going into hospital, which will increase the demand in hospitals. So we've, we've got a really interesting, complex future. Cool. So your blood pressure is 145 over 85. Back in Auckland Hospital's Ward 77, it's afternoon and near the end of Nurse Jojo Azarin's shift. The job requires being ready for the unexpected. So what makes for a good day? When my patients are independent and can do all their self-cares. But yeah, most of the time I would say when you are um, expecting for a certain outcome and it comes just the way that you wanted it to be. She won't be the only nurse hoping for everything to be as expected, not only now, but in a future that's likely to be equally challenging. That programme is written and presented by Karen Brown. If you'd like to discover some great listening, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight, iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Jill Bonnet explores when and if new residents might be able to apply to bring their parents to live here too. 
I'm Philippa Tolley, and that's all from Insight for today. Lovely to have you with us, and do join us again next week. 